We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 352. Scott, you still feeling it from Tuesday night? I, t- I woke up on Wednesday morning, and I tweeted out that I felt hungover. And I legitimately felt hungover. I didn't drink a drop of alcohol on Tuesday night. I just watched that Yankees-Twins game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I was up until... Uh, it was probably 3.30 or so. It was, it was, one, of those, it was one of those nights where I was... Um, I really didn't want to stay up late. You know, it was like, <laughs> I was trying not to. Like, you were doing the video for the post game. I'm like, all right, I have an opportunity to, to maybe catch some, uh, some decent sleep. And, and no, no. It's like a nine-hour game. You're looking at this place that, that is playing like Camden Yards, even though it's a, you know, it's a relatively, by the dimensions, a pitcher-friendly park. It ain't playing like that. I don't know what's happening. If it's like, you know, the old giant stadium where they got fans coming in and pour and uh, and pushing out towards towards center field, but holy crap, does the the ball fly out of this place? It's it's weird though, isn't it? Like it almost doesn't feel like we're watching baseball. Kind of like how we talked about with the London games, where it was yes, my eyes are telling me baseball, but my brain is telling me something else. Like this isn't there's something quite wrong here because every time there's a pitch in the strike zone that's semi-hittable and the ball goes in the air, it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. Oh, and it's upper deck. 
Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's it's one of those, you know, and the but the other problem is when you're looking at this, uh, it, it's like these guys don't want to be, they're trying to be so perfect and miss mm. in the right the spots that they are, <laughs> they're missing though. They're missing being perfect and putting the ball over the zone and, uh, or walking a ton of guys. I mean, we've seen a, you know, a, a ridiculous amount of walks this year, I feel like. And um, I don't know. It's like the pitchers are trying to work around this this juiced ball thing because I think it's every, in everybody's head. Definitely. I think that's what we saw Tuesday night. And we're going to talk about uh, Monday's game too, obviously. We're just heads up recording during Wednesday's game. It is the fourth inning right now. Uh, the Yankees have a 6-3 lead. So if you hear any loud outbursts during, during the uh, recording here, you'll know why. But yeah, I think you're totally right that especially late in that game, no pitcher wanted to make a mistake. And then it was either a meatball down the middle because it's a mistake pitch or it was nowhere close and you got walk after walk after walk. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that that was the reason why Chapman and Adovino were going up there and throwing balls and just like not even... But it just, it was really pissing me off. I mean, Chapman's been... Uh, yes, he's, he was an all-star this year. Yes, he's you look at his numbers and he's been effective. But it does seem like every outing is an adventure. It's, it's become that, you know, and, and especially when you can tell that he got, you can, you can almost tell immediately if he can't locate that fastball, then he starts throwing the, the slider over and over and over and over again. And you're just praying, you're praying that he could throw a ball over the plate because um, when he's not on, it's tough sledding, man, trying to get those, uh, trying to get out of an inning, especially one that's clean. Like that just doesn't happen. I don't know how he got out of there with one run. To I keep don't know. The game tied. Just to keep the, us awake. I'm like, you know what? This is going to end. Can we just end? Just, just hurry up. Get it over with. Like, you know, rip the bandaid. Let's just, let's just do this. But you saw Chapman sort of dial it back to 95 just to get it in the strike zone. And you're like, oh boy, that's not a good sign. And then he tries to pick a runner off at first base, which I don't know if I've, I can recall him ever trying to make a pickoff move at first base. And I was like, this is clearly not Chapman's night. Here we go. We just had that dramatic Hicks home run, and it's going to be ripped out from under us again. And it was, kind of. And then it was almost kind of again. <laughs> Air Hicks makes the game. There's just so much to break down in that game. That is that is one of those games that you could do an entire three-hour-long podcast on. I, As I was watching it, didn't you get Dodgers Astros World Series game five vibes. That was the, where that was exactly what I. That's the thought. I, I had that thought more than I had the London thought because there was no spectacle around this thing. That's not like we were expecting. Like this was just like just a wild, wild offensive game. And yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking because that game was crazy. The fact that they were just going toe for toe it was like a derby almost. Like you know, the one, momentum one shifts, the the lead yeah. changes, the um. The Fangraphs leverage index was going around Twitter last night. And after the seventh inning, just the peaks and valleys for each team is wild. I, um, I wish I, I looked this up uh, prior to recording, but there's an article that was written by like 538 or one of those nerd websites a while ago saying statistic probabilities of when you can safely leave a baseball game. Like oh after, after the sixth inning, if one team is up by X number of runs, you have a 93% chance of not seeing a comeback happen or blah, blah, blah. I would love to see, uh, you know, point. Okay. Counterpoint last night's game. I, I mean, I, I guess those, the, if you if anybody is consulting a website like that to make a decision based to, to either leave a game or stay in a game, you need at a game, you need to, you need to stop watching baseball right now. 
You need to stop watching baseball. Well, do you blame people for leaving last night? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I. It was a hundred degrees on Saturday, and I didn't want to leave because I, I have, I have problems leaving baseball games early. I just, well, I don't like doing it. Well, the uh, people in the stadium left because apparently trains shut down, so they had to get home. That's understandable. But a lot of people shut the game off when the Yankees were getting their asses kicked in the middle of that game because you're saying that, first of all, it was a slow-paced game regardless. Yeah, it was a five-hour runtime because of the back and forth and the extra innings, but that was going to be like a four-hour, nine-inning game anyway. It, it was a four-hour, nine-inning game. I, I actually have a uh, – I, I tweeted my – tweeted. I texted my brother because he's in Colorado, and uh, so he's got two hours on me, and he was texting me about the game. I'm like, yeah, it's late as shit. It's been long. He's like, yeah, it is late on the East Coast. And that's when I looked at it was uh, at, at what was happening, um, but it was it was close to a four hour game. Yankees are pouring it on right now, and Didi just slid in head first triple, cleared the bases nine to three. <laughs> Didi's got some crazy stats at Target Field. It's, uh, they showed in his last at bat after his double, it was something like twenty five RBIs in like like twelve games <laughs> at Target Field. He had the seven RBIs single handedly kept them in that game early on. With with, there's no doubt about it. Talking about DD too, like th- there's something. Obviously, he's been red hot these uh, during this Minnesota series. But something that was happening on Tuesday night, he started going the other way, and he hit that. Um, there was a, a double, I think, first uh, inning double yeah. left center gap. Yep, over over the center fielder's head. Yeah, I mean, he still pulls the home runs. No, but I know, but he just hit a he just hit a triple into the gap on the opposite side as well. So you're seeing, and, and what that what that means to me is that he's he's picking out his pitches. He's making an, he's intentionally, um, you know, trying to use the entire field. And I think when he does that, he gets into that zone where he's seeing the ball better. Um, and and you know that's that's when Didi's good. We talked about a few episodes ago about his walk rate and and you know how he sees the ball and um, you know when it's up there. Obviously, you start seeing better better numbers because he's such a good he's such a good uh, uh, hitter when the ball is over the plate. Like when he puts the ball in contact and when he makes contact and it's in play, you know, he's got a high batting average. So um, it's so important for him to pick out his pitches and make sure he's doing it. But having the intention as well to go the other way just makes you such a de- uh, more dangerous hitter. And I think he's, he's using the whole field now. I love it. And we haven't, I don't want to say Didi's been bad this year. He came back from the injury and just never really got going. Now, now maybe he's starting to get going. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that, I think it just took him a little bit you know, to get into the swing of things. And yeah. uh, now we're seeing it. He came back so fast. He barely did any rehab. Right. It was just like, boom. Oh, Didi might be back soon. Oh, no. Didi's back now. He's ready to go. Didi's back. It's the timing of, of Didi. He needed to come back. I mean, you could be the biggest freak robot guy in the world and heal, you know, faster than anybody. But that doesn't help you get into the groove of baseball into the everyday the everyday grind. So, um, yeah, it's good to see that, obviously, because we know what he does defensively. And then when you have an offensive guy like that, especially a left-handed bat um, in this in this lineup, it really makes it tough because you could, sl- you could put him in a, in a bunch of different places and have a dangerous guy at the top to protect or, you know, towards the middle or wherever you want to slot him in as that lefty to, to break up some of these righties uh, makes it that much more lethal. So the, the, the crazy went on Tuesday. Where do you put that as far as just nutso games regular season games that you're going to remember forever because it's tough to say in the moment we're less than 24 hours away from that game but i really do think that is going to be one of those games we remember for a long time obviously a lot depends on how the season ends if they don't win a world series 
then you might remember it a little differently. But there's a lot of moments in this season that I think if the team wins a World Series, we're going to look back and say, wow, you remember that? That was such a great moment. That helped them springboard. That's going to be, uh, like JJ and Keith say on their podcast, the DVD moment. I think it, so to me, it was a few years back. I think it was 17, right? Was the, um, the nine to two Orioles deficit. Mm -hmm. That's that's, it's similar to that game in the sense that Starlin Castro goes down on holiday, hit a home run. Yep. Holiday, I think tied the game or it was before that holiday. I think Ellsbury hit a home run in that, in that (laughs) game. Um, but you know, that was one of those games that was kind of like, it felt like a, uh, it felt like a swing game. Like, I don't necessarily think this one felt like a swing game. I just think it was a, just an exciting game and the fact that it happened. So that's the only difference. Like it was a big game. There's no doubt. And it was, it was, uh, it was fun to watch, although I hated watching the pitching. <laughs> so there's another side of this too. Like people, do you want to call it pitching? That's that the thing. Like I like seeing good pitching as well. And when I see just terrible pitching and then all these, the balls flying around, like it's fun for a little bit, but at the same time, you're like, Jesus Christ, can we get an out? Can we, can we please stop them and get an out? So we don't have to go up there and try to hit a home run to, to tie the game or, or whatever. Um, it's memorable. I mean, to me, it's not it's not up there with like some of the more memorable games. We'll see. I mean, ask me in two years. The ending, maybe the ending. The ending. The, ending the catch by Hicks. Aaron Hicks was stupid. Yeah, that is that is one of the best catches for the situation that that I've that I can remember that I've ever seen. It's not the best, just pure catch of all time. But for saving the game, it's a game saving catch. That is essentially a walk off catch. Right. I, so I tweeted that. I said, um, you know, when you take all the considerations into play, like the difficulty of the catch, the amount of ground that he covered, the angle in which he caught that ball because he had to cut it off and like reach across his body as well. Plus the situation of the game itself. Like it's I'd say it's it's arguably up there. Top 10 all time catches like when you're when you're looking at um all of those, we were talking about factors. that in the in our chats today, and there's just some freak catches, but they don't have the weight of the moment that that Hicks play had. Right. So what do you what do you want to say? What's more important? You know, I don't know. When you're just looking at highlights, maybe it's not more important because if if this is in the middle of a 10 minute long um, highlight video, and oh Hicks dives and catches it, wow, that was cool. But like you don't have the build up to the moment where the Yankees take their third lead since the eighth inning and are about to blow it again, and there's a missile up the gap, and, and somehow Aaron Hicks gets over there and dives and catches the freaking ball. I, I don't know how he was closing that gap so fast, because that ball Fastest, was... We have some stat cast numbers on it. He ran 74 feet, yep. 27.4 feet per second, which was the fastest he's ran to a ball all season. Okay. He... What, has PF flyers on. What I'm, yeah, when I'm watching it with my eyes, I see a ball that's tailing towards left field. So it's tailing yeah. towards the gap, right? Towards left field. And it was hit on a line. It was a rope. There was It was not a, a, a bloop that gave him time to get out there. Like, that ball was hit hard. And that dude was just Forrest Gump, like, trucking at the ball and, and made, you know, took the, the, the perfect angle, made the perfect dive. Everything was amazing on the, about that play. It was... It was that was, that was uh, obviously the uh, the perfect finish to that to that game. I think it's the only way a game like that could finish. Yeah, you kind of have to because the the ball was still being hit even on the last out. The ball yeah. was being torched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's so much to unpack from it. It, it is a big moment. You said a few minutes ago, um, a sp- I think you said like springboard moment or something like that. Where you know maybe this isn't a springboard moment because the Yankees don't need a springboard moment if anything savages will be their, That's their springboard moment exactly but what this did the, the 
the Twins are are overachieving this year. They're a better team than anyone expected them to be. They're a much better offense than anyone expected them to be. They beat the crap out of your pitching on Monday night, and they beat the crap out of your pitching on Tuesday night. Your best starting pitcher got hit hard. Herman got hit hard against the Twins. So had the Twins won that game, then the Yankees are sitting there saying, well, this is a potential playoff matchup we're going to have in a couple months, and they're beating the crap out of our pitching. And they still beat the crap out of your pitching, but you won the game. So that takes a lot of the sting out of it, right? But the you know we're, we're um, when you run into somebody that's hot, we haven't we haven't we haven't gone we haven't played against their best pitcher, uh, Barrios, and, and we're going to we're going to miss him this time. We missed him last time, and mm-hmm. now we'll if we do uh, meet them in the playoffs, there's a good chance that we will see him for the first time in the playoffs. So, you know, I it's the, the fact that they're hitting our pitching it bothers me a lot. The fact that they're they hitting are, everyone, so they're hitting everyone. The fact that they are because so, they, they are a really good offensive team. When you look at the guys on there, like Sano is is back. Like he had an off year. I think he got you know there was an injury going on as well. He was fat. <laughs> now he's just like a mammoth. A that ball he hit off Britain was like that thing was so loud. Yeah, that was. I know it was only like four hundred and forty feet or something like that, but it almost went through the stands. But they, I mean, they have they have multiple guys that that are just mashing the ball, and you put Nelson Cruz on any lineup, I feel like the it seems like the entire team you know in, it just improves and gets that much better because the guys been mashing. He he, Nelson Cruz reminds me of Encarnacion, where mm-hmm. these guys have both been just mashing the ball for years and years and years on like every team in the American League. <laughs> you know? Underrated, underrated, just great power hitters. Yes, and they've played. On a ton of teams, it seems like I feel like they've all, they've both been one all of them has the been popped for PEDs. Yeah, Nelson Cruz and man, maybe Nelson Cruz has brought some of the good good to to Minnesota, and that's why everyone's hitting home runs. Minnesota's looking for an edge. You know, they got a new ballpark, <laughs> newer new ballpark, new manager, new manager. Joe, Mau- Joe Mauer is gone. Yeah, there's it's a it's their it's their moment. It's their um, it's their line in the sand. You know, they had a the changing of the guard, so now they got to do it. Rocco Baldelli's gone. People kept telling me I look like Rocco Baldelli. No, they say you look like Shia LaBeouf. I've heard that too, but I had I got a bunch of tweets yesterday saying Rocco Baldelli. Um, well, nothing wrong with Rocco Baldelli, Pride of Rhode Island. But uh, at least one out of every three videos we post from the podcast, someone comments saying you look like – why is Shia LaBeouf talking about the Yankees? <laughs> it's the beard because when there's no beard, you got no the one's same ever shaped jaw. You have a similarly shaped nah, jaw. No, nah, no, he does not have a jawline. He is a little bitch actor. Okay, let's get that straight. These guys, okay. they may look all cool on the on the big screen, and then you meet them, they're like five three. Um, I'm not five Herma- three. Herman, <laughs> five four. Herman, though, is concerning that he had absolutely nothing against a good offensive lineup. This is now his that was his fourth start back from the injured list. Um, he couldn't get out of the fourth inning. Had absolutely no fastball command. I think Cone and Ruko were talking about at some point. Only his changeup was the pitch that he could really rely on, and that's his by far his third best pitch. It's his curveball and fastball. He's a curveball fastball guy, and he was relying on his changeup a lot. So many deep counts, so many foul balls, and Boone left him in. He was he was trusting him to get through that fourth inning somehow, and Sano just got him. Yeah, I mean that's two days in a row really that Boone has left starting pitchers in. Uh, maybe a little too late. I mean, CC who who was on Monday. Went four innings and gave up six or earned, but seven runs in total. I think that what were there four home runs, three home runs, something like that. Yeah, he allowed four home runs, 
I mean, you knew coming in they were going to be home runs. Right, but... Sabathia has allowed a lot of home runs. Herman's allowed a lot... Everyone's allowed a lot of home runs. But Hap especially has given up. Like, I saw a stat before the game. He ranks... Um, where did it go? First in Major League Baseballs and home runs allowed. Second in average launch angle. And third in fly ball rate. <laughs> like, that's just a recipe for home run disaster. And to, the funny thing about it is that he's... Um, I mean, we're only in the fourth inning, but he's he's... Pitching the best of the uh, of the other, guy, keeping mo- as more guys in uh, in the in the park. As I say that, some someone just hit a moonshot. Literally, <laughs> as I said that, I think it was Marwin Gonzalez just hit an he, absolute he gave up one moon ball. I'm not he joking. He gave up a home run to Rosario in the first inning, Jesus and then yeah. Christ. literally, I mean, the words could. What's not going have, on? Okay, so what's going on? The words like could I, not have the, come out of my mouth, and then that home run be hit faster. Uh, juice balls, smooth balls, lower seams, aerodynamics, wind, wind gusts. Like, what, what's going on? Because this is not normal. I don't know. But J-Hap just left a 91-mile-an-hour meatball up in the zone. So that's what happened I on know, that pitch. I know it's <laughs> been not normal all year. This is the highest home run rate per game of any season in baseball history. They, they've already surpassed, like, 2014's total of, of baseball. We're not even out of July. So... It's unprecedented waters what we're doing for home runs, but what like this is this is I don't know if it's enjoyable. I mean, last night was fun. I had a hell of a lot of fun watching the game, and if you miss the game, that sucks for you. You probably feel better than me today, but that sucks for you that you miss such a such an emotional and fun game to watch. But this is in general not good baseball. But for casual fans, do you think this is something that they want to watch? Because that, uh, that's last so the night conspiracy is, theory last night is, but last night is so rare. You normally just get four hour games where it's just a bunch of solo home runs and it's like seven to four. Like that is not going to get casual fans to turn on the television. But the, I mean, if, you, if you're going conspiracy theory on this whole thing, you could say that. Oh, I am. You could say that, um, you know, Major League Baseball, while they're, they're touting the, the, uh, the fact that games are too long and stuff, they're going to be like, well, you know what? We're going to juice the balls. We're going to make them small. And, and even though people were going to be talking about this, we're actually going to invite more home runs so that they can see that we're concerned about it. But in reality, we're going to get the ball out of the uh, park more often and, and we're going to increase the time of the games. Because that's what You think happening. baseball wants to increase time, no, no, time no. of I games? No, no, I said their, their narrative is saying, don't. I want, the, I want it shorter, right? I want the game shorter. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. But let's throw juice balls out there because home runs are fun and we know they're going to make longer games, but who cares? So um, I'm saying they're talking out of both, both sides of their mouth. But, I think but they understand start- that, that, uh, that baseball needs home runs because home runs sell tickets. Baseball doesn't need home runs like this. We've, we talked about this a, a few episodes ago. This is, not, this is not, I don't think, good baseball to watch. But you know what it's doing? It's, you, you, you start looking at some of the smaller market teams. You look at Minnesota. You look at um, uh, you know, some of these other teams that, that, are, that are out there. They're, they're also hitting more home runs. Obviously, Minnesota's hitting more home runs. But you're seeing, you're seeing smaller market teams now who don't have the big dollars to spend on these big guys also hitting home runs. Does that not help individual franchises as well? Well, it certainly helps individual franchises. You're talking about competing or bringing fans in? I guess that's one and the same. A little um, both, but yeah, but on a given day, I mean, you're seeing more balls fly to the ballpark for a bad team. It's going to it's going to eventually I think it'll have a trickle down effect to salary, player salary. 
Oh, yeah. All this is going to trickle down at some point. It's all going to go bad. I think they're going to start making slow changes to the ball, just like they made it start made it, making slow changes to the ball in 2015, which is where we are today. They're going to start to reel it back. You mean over little time? Little by little. Yeah, over, over time. time. Yeah, it's not like we woke up in 27, 20, uh, what year are we in? 19, 2019, and the balls were juiced. The balls have been slowly being juiced since it's 2015. A, it's, a, it's been a slow juicing process. It is a slow squeeze process. Little by little, they're squeezing that orange juice. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the manufacturing process, right? So you're getting the manufacturing process. You're making tiny little tweaks to it. And then as time goes on, you're like, oh, damn. Look at it for what it was three years ago. It's, it's made a significant change over that span. But each year, the players don't, no, don't notice it as much. But this year, I feel like this year more than any year, they've really talked about how um, the seam is, is really gone or not as, not as prevalent. Well, there's been studies done this year. There haven't been studies done in the past, but there was like the quantum the physics like professor that did a, did a study for the athletic on every single change in the, in the ball and found legitimate changes backed by science. And then you have Rod Manfred there up on a podium saying, no, the baseball is the same as ever. We don't know what you're talking about. I mean, someone's lying. Is it science or, or baseball? Baseball never lies. Science science never lies. Baseball never lies. They're so honest. But it the, this series in general was big, and it looks like the Yankees are going to take two out of three. Oh, you don't say that. It's the fifth inning. It's the fifth inning. It's the, I'm sorry, can, it's the fourth inning. You can edit that out if, if, if it comes back to bite me. There the is a, twins, a lot of time left. In this the game. Twins go into this series. This is a prove me series for the Twins. Yeah. Oh, I think this is one of those twin those those uh, those series that was circled. Like Baldelli. Yes. Doesn't like the Yankees, right? He he had to deal with them when he was with Tampa forever. He's um, also a Red Sox fan growing up. Okay. And the Rhode Island people. And then you have the Minnesota Twins, who have been just getting beat up by the New York Yankees forever. They've, they've always been <laughs> something forever. like 30. I think I saw something like 35 and 97 since like 2002 against the Yankees, including playoffs, just complete big brother, little brother. Yeah. But, this is, but this is a very different twins. team, right? Like there's nobody on this team from the, the, your, your father's twins. They're just, these guys aren't there. Uh, so you have mm-hmm. a bunch of, uh, of players ready to go and say, you know what? We're wearing the uniform now, new transition. They got some young guys in there who are playing probably better than people expected. And yeah, they want to they want to take down the big bad Yankees, especially the the Yankees who have been in the in the news along among national baseball all, pretty much for the past two weeks, three weeks. It feels like it's all been Yankees, right? So this is a prove it series, and they uh, come out win the first game, dominating Sabathia. Yankees leave uh, nineteen total players on base if you individually tally up the player left on base tally, but. As a team, they went two for twelve with runners in scoring position. Encarnacion grounds into a triple play. Gary Sanchez grounds into a double play. Judge grounds into a double play. In this game, Hicks and Sanchez combined to go zero for ten with five strikeouts and eleven left on base. That triple play—I mean, you couldn't have you couldn't have thrown it to him better in a better spot. I mean, he was the momentum coming in just just picked up the ball, stepped on third, and threw it around the horn. Um, same thing with yeah, the, the, uh, the around the horn triple play is the most classic of the triple plays. Yeah. And uh, the same thing with um, uh, the Gary Sanchez double play. Like, you, you know, these balls were hit hard right at them. Un- Sanchez hit in, and now Sanchez is on the injured list, but Sanchez hit into some, has hit into some bad luck in the series. I mean, yes. two hits that he hit to the left side on Tuesday night 
And the shortstop just made unbelievable plays. Yep. And the last one was the one he ended up injuring his groin on. But really bad luck for Sanchez. We have metrics on him. But I did you do you realize I, I stumbled upon this? So he pulls his groin last night. The game is on July twenty third. Yeah, this he is pulls crazy. his groin running to first base. The Hustlegate game last year in Tampa was July twenty third. Yeah, that's weird. That's a really weird coincidence. That blew my mind. I feel like what was the other one that you had you found a while? It was the uh, Dustin, oh, Dustin Fowler. Fowler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Moonlight the same, Graham thing, same day or something as that Moonlight Graham weird. or something like that. And yeah. Although I forgot, we, I forgot about that. Although yeah. I'm glad to see that Dustin Fowler has made it to the pros again and has played for a while though, in major league like, games. And for a while, it was looking like it was going to happen. Right, right. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty wild. Um, but no, that's that's crazy. And and uh, yeah, I I want I need to I need to like I'm looking at my medical shingle on my wall right now because I gotta I gotta pat myself on the back a little bit. And people were giving me a little shit. I feel like you were being a little con- a little sarcastic on Twitter as well when I said, oh. Looks like he pulled up hyperextended quad. Everybody's like, no, it's the ankle. It's the ankle. I, what did I, I saw give what you I, shit? I saw I what say. I saw. I saw what I saw. When did I give you shit? I don't know. But the um <laughs> but that's what it looked like when he was running down the line and, and went past the bag. Well, he ro- he turned an ankle. Yeah, but I think um, the reason the reason that he got the he had the groin injury was probably because the ankle made him take a weird step afterwards. Okay. That's what really? it looked like. Because all, but he looked like he was running awkwardly in the in the step and a half before first base. He took a little stutter step because he realized he wasn't going to his strides were not right in line to hit yeah, the it threw base. him off and then that threw him off and then he rolls the ankle. I think as his right foot is passing first base, it touched right? the bag. He it touched the bag, touched and it turned. and rolled, and then and then you could see him pull up and he was grimacing and stretching. Um, he had a quote after the game. He said, it just feels a little tight. It's not preventing me from walking or moving my back freely, so I'm positive about that. But we've got uh, to wait until tomorrow until we get the test done and see where it is. Moving so it is wait, definitely his, his back? Is that what he said? That's what he said. Huh. Um, this definitely happened on the play. This is not an excuse for why he's been really, really struggling for a long time in a major slump. He's hitless in his last 19 at-bats, 10 for 85, which is a buck 18 average, 28 strikeouts over his last 21 games. Check out these splits. <clears throat> so April, 980 OPS, monster. May, 979 OPS, monster. June, 824 OPS, very good player, all-star level, especially for a catcher. July, 358 OPS. That's like... That's like a pitcher. That, that that's unheard of for someone of Gary Sanchez's level to have a 358 OPS. It's almost impossible to do for Gary Sanchez. So they're they're saying that he's been healthy and 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 all of this, um, but that's bullshit, right? I mean, that's complete bullshit. Someone doesn't fall off a cliff like that just because they're slumping and and uh, and nothing's going. So on. you think for the last 21 games ish, 85 plate appearances at bats. He's been dealing goes with goes back something. to London, doesn't it? Why the hell then are they catching him so frequently? As did he not tell? Did he not tell I mean, trainers? It, yeah, it could, be, it could be part of it. Could just be him, you know, trying to battle through something and just uh, you know telling. You know, at this point, he's a he's a veteran player who probably has a lot more 
a lot more rope with uh, with the way that he ta- talks to trainers and, and does things. Um, so yeah, I could see that. But I mean, look, you look at the numbers. The numbers are very telling. That's that's not a slump. That's like that's falling off of a cliff. And and when you're falling off a cliff like that, something's usually happening. You know, whether you're you're sore in a certain area and, and it's preventing you to um, to do what you what you normally do. Uh, or he's not he's not hitting the ball for power anymore. He's not slugging. His slugging percentage yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like it's huge. 50, I mean, it's like 188 <laughs> yeah. from 642 to 188. Well, first of all, 642 is mental to slug 642. That's I, but that's I understand absolutely that. But, bonkers. But the difference but 188, is 188. Yeah, and his chase percentage is up a few points. His ground ball percentage is up significantly, yep. and his average exit velocity is down. This is kind of what happened last year. Sanchez, the he, the more he hit the ball on the ground, the worse news it was for Gary Sanchez because he's slow as crap, and he's going to hit it into the shift. So the fact that he pulled up with a groin injury, this is this is all soft tissue. These are all, there's a lot of things connected. You you had talked about the fact that his back was okay, right? Like that was interesting to me. That comment. That's a quote from him. I know, but that's an interesting comment because. I, so I've had these injuries. Like that's why I I can I feel like I, I know what he's what he's talking about. Uh, when you have a groin injury, a lot of times that can affect your the a piriformis that goes into your back, and you get like back. It feels like a nerve in the lower in your lower back. Piriformis. All that, all that that's is a nerve connected. or yeah. a muscle. It's sciatica. Bone. It's sciatica. The sciatica nerve. Oh. Sciatica. Yeah, it's piriformis. It's just, so I thought sciatica affects up through your hip, like the front of your your thigh up through your. It hip. can, but it can also start in the groin. I've had it where it's gone down my. I think I've had sciatica. where it's gone down my leg because when I said when I was watching it uh, live and I saw him pull up, I thought it was his quad. But the quad and the groin, like that's all connected. All of that area is connected, and you just kind of hope it doesn't spread. But when you have a lower back injury as well, when you can't move your back as well, sometimes that nerve can get pinched because of inflammation. Look, you, 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 you laugh the fact that I'm a freaking doctor, but I know what the hell I'm talking about with this stuff because I've had it. And that's exactly what it looked like. you go again saying I'm laughing at you. I am asking legitimate questions. <laughs> I'm interested in this information. No, this is, I mean. That's, the people are interested in this information. This is, this, when I saw it pull up and then, uh, um, and all of this is kind of making sense. Like the power is going away uh, dramatically and, and it, it does limit you and you can do things to make it feel better at certain times, but then it. I mean, it's it's a um, it's one of the things that just keeps coming back until you can until you can work it. And the only way to really like when I had it, I remember when I had it, I was playing baseball, and the only thing I could do was just not do anything. That was the only way I got away. I had to just well, stop. If he has been dealing with any sort of nagging injuries, I have to imagine he did not tell the training staff because they wouldn't have him catching as frequently as right. they have been. And it's not like he's you been c- catching. He's been catching four out of five days, pretty much. Yeah, for the entire season. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, it must not have been to a More point. More than that, really. It must not have been to a point where it was, where it was like you know noticeable on a on a where it was debilitating. But it's enough where it was debilitating. Where it's taking <laughs> debilitating. Where it's taking out of debilitating. Uh, taking out away from his power. Like that's. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really take a lot. I think for a major league player to to lose some uh, a power and just like a little bit of slowness with the bat, and then your your numbers completely drop. That's a hell of a lot of hell of a lot of power. Yeah, it is. Just proves is. how much power he has. I think when he's healthy, that he's losing. Um, yeah, so he's he's on the injured list. The corresponding moves, they called up Higgy and Cortez, and Holder was also sent down. I believe, if you guys care, the Cortez move was for Sanchez, and the Higgy move was for Holder, just for some 
injury purposes to get Cortez back on the roster within 10 days. Oh, because uh, Sanchez went down with an injury, so that's why they get yeah. Cortez back up, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Bookkeeping. Um, bookkeeping, baby. Got to have a good book- a- gotta have a good accountant right there. Bookkeeping. The uh, Some other injury news. So Mabin is rehabbing with Scranton right now. And this is interesting because Gardner hasn't played in four days. Yeah, and, uh, and, and Talkman's on fire. Talkman is on fire. Whatever the hell Talkman did in Scranton before the London series. He's hitting 500 since he's been back up. Dude, Scranton has been bringing guys back at a very good, with, with very good thing. Like Chad Green came back, was, was back to Chad Green. Talkman comes back. Talkman's a real baseball player. Um, Frazier's murdering the ball down there, hitting home runs like every day. Uh, he just needed that pep talk from Brian Cashman. He Holder, did, hey, you need you gotta you gotta massage you gotta massage the uh, you know the the ego a little bit with a guy like that. And he got it massaged, so now he's happy again. Holder made his way back up. Is now sent down. Yeah. I, he'll be back up soon. He was he struggled when he first went down to Scranton. But his last three outings were pretty dominant. Seven strikeouts in five and two-thirds innings with only two hits. Holder's a major league reliever. He's not a closer or eighth-inning guy by any means. But he's a valuable reliever for this team that was just having a shit season. Just like Chad Green was having a shit season. And he went down and figured it out. Right. I mean, Chad, I mean Jonathan Holder was really... He, was really, he couldn't get anybody out either. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty bad. They're, they were pretty similar. In the, when they got sent down, like it was... It was almost a. Uh, it wasn't a choice. <laughs> they had to go down. They're, they couldn't. Stay Did you on the hear team. the quote that Jonathan Holder said? Um, or this was sorry. This was Chad Green asked about Jonathan Holder because of the situations was similar, and Chad Green said, "When after that game in Anaheim, I called my wife." and said, I need to go down to the minors. I can't get anybody out here. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, it, it was that bad. It was it, You could see with your own eyes. Mike Talkman just hit a double and uh, now has a double and a triple. And we are looking. <laughs> we, are, we are on cycle alert for Mike Talkman. Oh, boy. Cycle talk. Mike Talkman. People are people. The people have turned on Mike Talkman. Turned in a good way. They were they. No one liked Mike, uh, Mike Talkman because because he couldn't he, play baseball. Was preventing Clint Frazier from being in the majors. And he was preventing Clint Frazier, yep. But now, Mike Talkman is providing value defensively, offensively, on the base paths, everywhere. Now there's going to be a conversation of Brett Gardner and Mike Talkman. And then you add Cameron. No, the conversation is Maven Then you add Cameron Maven to this conversation. This is just, you know, there's a lot of people that want spots in that outfield. This this just proves back to the depth conversation that we've had multiple times. Like, the fact that this team has been put through so much adversity is just building them to be an absolute beast later in the season when they have, you know, it doesn't matter who they have because everybody has performed and played meaningful games and has, you know, a good amount of at-bats under their belt. And that doesn't happen very often. Usually when that happens, bad, bad things are happening and your team is in shitty, uh, shitty spot. But for whatever reason, somehow they've won these games and now they're all going to, you know, go, go into uh, late, late in the season Ready to go, man. It's, we, it's crazy. It's a wild season. How many multi-hit Talkman games are we away from dumb trade proposals centered around Mike Talkman for starting pitching? Oh, a lot. It's not, <laughs> not, it's not enough time. There's not enough time before all that happens. We didn't maybe maybe off-season. Maybe <clears throat> off-season Talkman If talks. he continues it. We didn't talk about the Twins trolling the Yankees playing New York, New York after they strike out. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? So I thought I was mis—I uh, was like mishearing something. I was like, "What? 
do I have like another uh, monitor on in my in my office? Like, what's what's happening? Why do I hear New York, New York? And yeah, they were trolling it. That's that's uh, that's an interesting move. It's, that's big time trolling. You have to back that up. So they they Don't, play music all the time, right? Me. Like they got a DJ like Tampa style. And, sure. And so now they're and it's not just like you know regular organ playing baseball stuff. Like they're playing music and stuff, like mm-hmm. all sorts of things, loud. And New York, New York. I was like, is someone walking up to New York, New York? Nobody would do that, right? Well, there's no. That would be a Twins player walking. Right. Up. I was no very confused when when I heard it the first time. And uh, yeah, so that's big time trolling. That, that's that should piss them off, right? Should piss you them think, off. I bet it did. I bet it did piss them off. Maybe they were just make, maybe they were making fun of Aaron Judge. I hope Judge took that personally, and then everybody else took it personally. What do you mean? Because a judge in Boston with the boombox. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know? You think Judge gets upset now when he hears that song? No. I think, I think that the players saw that they were trying to mock Aaron Judge. And they're like, you know what you're not going to do? Is mock Aaron Judge. Whose idea is this in Twins? Is, it, is this like a PR stunt? Is this like a... a um the organist making this decision is this a Rocco Baldelli or like a GM decision? Who I can, makes that. Decision? I can see Baldelli making this decision. I can see Baldelli. I almost being feel like this comes from the field. This comes from the clubhouse. This does not come from front office or marketing. No, no, no. Front office is certainly not doing it. It's it's coming from it's coming from. Uh, yeah, someone had an idea. Someone someone had an idea about this. Went to the right person and they did it. I think Baldelli. Baldelli is a prime target, prime suspect in this. Michael Pineda? No, he's not that smart. I don't I don't think I don't think he would have thought of that. I don't think he would have thought of that. Maybe Jake yeah, Cave. Jake Cave might do it. Jake Cave also yeah. another Did guy. You, be honest. Be honest. Did you forget Jake Cave was on the twins? No, I actually knew. Only because I know he's from um, Hampton, Virginia, which is kind of close to where I went to school, so I knew that. But the um, he's friends with all these guys. He's friends. All the he's, current guys. He's friends with Judge. He went through the minor leagues with all of these guys, so he knows all yeah. of them too. So maybe it was Jake Cave trolling Judge, um, and it was just you know like a personal thing. Oh no, this is definitely a Rocco Baldelli sort of. It could be Jake. Actually, now that more I'm thinking about it, it could be Jake Cave as well because Jake Cave has personal think information. Jake Cave has that kind of clout in that. I think Jake Cave is friends with these guys. They have that. I remember when they were all coming up, and Jake Cave and Judge had inside jokes with emojis on Instagram. There, there's definitely a, a you bond You think Jake there. Cave can get something like that done? I'm trying to think of an equivalent player. No, but I'm saying Jake Cave could go to Baldelli the and then they could conspire together and Baldelli could get it done, yeah. All right. Well, I hope it pissed the Yankees off and I hope that was helping fuel them for their comeback win on Tuesday. I think it did, maybe. There's another did moon ball. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Who hit it? Nelson Cruz. Okay, so what, what's the score now? Nine to seven. Nine to seven. Yep, off of Nestor I definitely, Cortez. I definitely didn't say this game was over. <laughs> Sabathia's home run inning. It's the bottom of the fifth inning. Oh, what yeah. time well, is it? It's ten, 10 twenty, and uh, so it's been two hours and twenty minutes on pace for five hours again. Sabathia's uh, home run splits continue to be weird. Home forty-five innings, two sixty ERA, thirty-six hits allowed, only seven home runs allowed. Road, 41 innings pitch, 659 ERA, 49 hits, 15, 15 home runs allowed by Sabathia on the road. This continues to be just odd. 
These are really bad. Weird. These are really bad splits in the in the in the like to a point where you got to you got to start reconsidering when he's throwing. I mean, we know he wants extra rest. We know he needs extra rest. Um, that's going to be a consideration, I think, at the, at the deadline with with them looking for another starting pitcher. Maybe it doesn't need to be a big flashy guy. Uh, maybe there's two. Maybe there's two moves. Maybe there's a move for for some guy that's going to be able to throw on the road for when CC's up. Because when you're looking at these numbers and you see the what he's, I mean, they're significant. They're significantly worse, uh, and and about the same time, about the same amount of innings pitched, and uh, and you're looking at just a completely different pitcher on the road. Yeah, we kind of theorized that maybe it's just discomfort on the road. Just he's he's um, doesn't like the travel anymore. It's his last season, all that kind of stuff. Maybe maybe he's got to do more media when he's in these new cities. I know he was doing something with like a local Twins charity, a local Minnesota charity on Monday before his start. His family's in Paris. Maybe he was thinking about that. They're all over Instagram. Some posting, baguettes. Posting pictures of uh, being in France, like the whole family without Cece. He's probably bummed out about that pretty oh, bad. Oh, wee wee. He wants some baguettes. He's just, he's just probably bummed out that he's not with his family. He's like, what am I doing? I'm in Minnesota. My family's in Paris. I'm giving up moonshots. Did you see the post game? He was, he, he was just like, let me give the answers real quick so we can get out of here. He was, it was like, I'm going to retire after this press conference. So I'm just going gonna to give you whatever. I'm, I'm going to literally say nothing. Take notes, Clint Frazier. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he did. He went through the motions. That's exactly what it was. You mentioned trade targets. So I was going through this on Twitter. The Giants are on a hot streak. Mm -hmm. They are above 500. They're now two games out of a wild card spot. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball. Are they really going to trade Madison Bumgarner? No. The Diamondbacks are tied with the Giants. Two games out of a wild card spot. Are they really going to trade Robbie Ray or Zach Greinke? I think so. They've already made public comments about it, actually. They've made public comments. The Giants have made public comments about trading. But the, not necessarily Bumgarner. I mean, they have Bumgarner. They've addressed it because it's such a rumored thing. Bumgarner has his no trade clause, which he'd have to waive. But I don't see I, the Giants don't strike me as a team to sell when they think they might. Not a franchise have guy a like second half. Not a franchise guy like Bumgarner in that point. Like the the um, the Diamondbacks are a different type of organization in the sense that like these guys are not, you know, they're not staple Diamondbacks if that's a thing. Um, but the uh, you know, they've he, he, they've made comments about talking about the fact that, you know, we're in in line for or, or you know we're going to compete for a second wild card spot, but does that put us over the top? I mean, we're a 500 team. Are we going to compete with the Dodgers? Uh, are we going to really challenge them? And, well, no, and, they, and I think these teams are not looking to challenge the Dodgers for their division. They're trying to outlast other wild card teams and get into the one game. No, no, I'm talking about for happens. playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. The end. What's the end game there? I understand that's not the division title. Okay, the end but, game is being in the playoffs. And are you even going to have a remote chance against a, a team like the Dodgers if you get to that point? And, a playoff and if the series, I think, is worth it for. If the answer is no, then you know you could significantly help. This is a situation that the Yankees were in 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 2000. Um, 16 when they decided to, to sell out like they could have probably added a couple pieces and maybe tried to make a run what were they at that point do you remember I don't remember exactly they, where they were I know they got better once they got rid of everybody and the kids came up they actually made a they push certainly got more fun to watch they definitely got them they made a push or at least for a while I, I think it faded but they um, you know after judge went down but they uh, they made a push the kids the kids were up so it's just it's just one of those things as an organization and it's not going to be a popular decision if you are selling but at the same time, when you know that you're not going to compete 
um, for anything significant and you're just trying to get to the playoffs, like, is that it? Is that a successful season? I don't know. Depends on what these teams think. It depends on how they've sold their, sold the, you know, the way that they're going to act or how their fans, um, you know, receive something like that. Because I could tell you that the Yankees would be pissed off about that. Yankee fans would so be mad as hell. You're keeping the Diamondbacks pitchers in play. Yeah. Bauer, I think, is off the table. I don't, I don't think, think he Indians was ever on are, the table. I don't think the Indians are trading uh, anybody. So you, we're looking at the Diamondbacks guys, Matthew Boyd from the Tigers, yep. Mike Miner from the Rangers. Tigers are loving this. Tigers are loving all these these uh, these medium yeah. teams, mediocre teams. And their price tag the was high to begin with. Mike Miner and Lance Lynn from the <laughs> Rangers. Marcus Stroman, obviously, from the uh, Blue Jays. So a couple articles on the website. Very good breakdowns of both Boyd and Miner. Um, Rohan wrote about Mike Miner today. Statcast data on him is very good. The one concerning thing with Mike Miner is his walk rate. He walks a lot of guys, but he'll fit, otherwise, he'll fit right in. Otherwise, uh, he's got average to above average everything as far as Statcast goes. His ERA is is very low. But if you don't want to look at ERA, peripheral stats are also good. He's going to cost less than Matthew Boyd as well, which is interesting. He's 31 years old. He's got another year of team control. But he's just not – the Tigers are asking for the moon for Matthew Boyd. Boyd's having also his best season ever. He ranks highly in all the peripheral stats. Um, Sean wrote a great article breaking down his stuff. Sean loves this ERA called Sierra. Yeah, I know. I saw him going off on it. So I was not too familiar with this. Were you? Come on. No, I was not. Skill Interactive ERA. Yep. Let's break this one down there. Uh, The more I read about it, actually, the more I kind of like it. So the argument is ERA is not a good measurement for a pitcher. It take there's too many variables. It's too random. It's it. There's too much outside of the pitcher's control to just go on ERA. Okay, fine. So that's when FIP became more popular. Fielder independent pitching, right? Uh, Walks, strikeouts, home runs, hits, batters. Those are the things pitchers can control. What is their ERA based on those factors? But is it really fair to just throw out all balls in play? Right. Because if a guy hits a freaking missile up the middle and it's a base hit, he should be penalized for that. So Sierra blends the two together. And it minimizes balls in play but still factors them in. And comes up with an, with an ERA factoring and everything. Couldn't even begin to tell you how it's calculated Go Google it. MLB.com has an explanation of it. But I kind of like it, just the idea of blending the two ERAs together. Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think, uh, I think Sean made some good points in, in def, you know, kind of bringing it up and talking about it as well. And it's, it's not an easy – or I'm sorry, it's not a difficult thing to, to see why it could be valuable. But, um, you know, there's just when – you, when you start looking at, at a guy like Boyd and, and what he's going to cost, um, and then you look at – you know, is he hitting his stride at this point at 28 years old? Is he one of those guys like Corbin is what 30, you know, but last year was uh, age 29. Like you're, you, I think we are seeing more of these guys um, starting to hit uh, at later, later in their, uh, later in their, in their twenties. And I, I don't think it's that uncommon anymore, but is he one of them? Is he that guy who's turning the corner or is he just having, you know, putting together a, a season that, that looks really good. It's just the, the, the fact is is that he's going to cost a ton. And, and when we're, we're talking about a ton, it's, it's going to be your, probably your top prospect. That's who they're asking for. And a, and a player. So in our, in our case, they're, they're, they'd be asking for Clint Frazier, right? First and foremost, they want a player. 
that, that's going to be there for a while and, and a staple guy. And then they're looking at Garcia. I would say, yeah, that's who they're going to ask for. <clears throat> not not to say that that would be, not to say that that would be the the final price that a team would give up. But that's who they're that's who they're going after. I think those are the it, maybe if they if they don't want a player that they can play sooner, then it would be Florial and Garcia, plus other prospects. But yeah, definitely. And I think I think when you're looking at Stroman, he's probably similar. Um. I don't know. Apparently, the, the Tigers GM is just a nutcase, and yeah, but what, for the you ask for that's why they didn't. That's why they never traded Fulmer, right? Because they were asking for yeah, that worked out at really the time, well. like Glaber Torres or whatever. But that's the thing. Like, so you're you're looking at what they're asking for, but I'm more talking about what it's actually going to cost, and I could see them being something similar because of Boyd's situation. I think is a little bit more attractive, but Stroman has more uh, more you know under his belt, obviously, and I think could probably theoretically help you more out. In this year, if you if you believe in a Marcus Stroman over over Matthew Boyd, yeah, Boyd has been bad prior to this year, and his, he's 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 been bad recently too, right? We're having his like last five starts not been great. Sean talks about that in the article. You can find stats to say he's been bad recently. You can find starts to uh, stats say he's been good recently. Yeah, that's 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 the other problem with all these metrics. It's like let's just put something else together and figure it out so that they look good. There's too many. There's just too many. I think more fans will trust Marcus Stroman. They'll they'll be more oh, satisfied no doubt about with the Marcus they know Stroman trade. Yeah. If you're looking at a fan, if we're looking at a fan confidence poll, everybody wants Stroman. I'm not sure Stroman's the best pitcher available though. I, I would I was obviously like Stroman. Stroman's going to give you better quality starts than CC Sabathia and Jay Happ right now. Yeah. No, that's a real thing. I mean, pretty much anyone is. Right. So. It's gonna be. It's gonna well, be. Well, CC, CC, uh, he'll give you a better start on the road, on the home, at home. No, he'll give you a better start on the road for, than CC. CC might, right? Might, might duel him at home. So if they acquire, like you said, if they acquire a, a Boyd or Miner plus someone secondary to plug into the rotation for depth, I could see that happening. You just got a lot of bodies at that point, though. You have a lot of bodies to figure out and to see what they're going to do. I mean, you still have roster decisions at that point. You still have. They did it last year. They got Jay Happ and Lance Lynn. Yeah, they did. They did. And and Zach Britton. And and who knows what's uh, uh you know what's going to happen with Severino and with Patantis. Then you still have two more bodies that are coming back potentially. So there's going to be some juggling going on. Again, I still believe that Cashman is going after best value, best arm. Not necessarily looking at, um, you know, if they are a, a starter or a a reliever at the end of the day. Like I do think he wants a starting pitcher, but I think it's, he's not. I don't think he's going to go out there and and overpay for it. Not not to uh, not to the extent where he's given up a you know a top prospect and Clint Frazier. I don't think it's going to happen. We're less than a week away as people are listening to this from the trade deadline. When do we start seeing movement? When do we start seeing that first domino fall? I, I would imagine it. Um, I I actually think a lot of this is going to go pretty close to the deadline because uh, because August doesn't matter anymore. Clear your three p.m. to four p.m. No, schedule it, it, it on really July thirty first. I think there's there's going to be first of all like when the market maker comes out, whenever that is, that's when you'll start seeing dominoes fall. So it's 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 at this point they're a game of chicken, or uh, you know who's going to play first, or someone comes in with an, a crazy offer for a Stroman or, or whomever the first guy is to, to drop. And then all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing moves being made because nobody wants to be left in the dust. 
I think one of the Texas pitchers gets moved first. They've I think two and eight in their last ten. Yeah, I mean if if he can if he if he has the deal he wants, that's the thing. Like you know they all know he's gonna sell too. So he's in a he's in a point where he's gonna probably get a ton of offers. If you're a general manager, you have to walk the tightrope of. Do I sell now? Do I do? Is you can? I'm trying to think what I'm saying. You can trade too early, or you could trade too late. Because if you hang on to your guy too long, and other teams get pitchers, then you have no one to trade to. The Tigers are in a situation they don't need to trade Matthew Boyd this year, right? He's under team control through 2022. They're going to suck next year. They can trade him next year. Yeah. Mike Miner is going to be. Next year, the only reason Mike Miner really has good value is because you have him for this year plus next year. Right. You're looking at so, him next year for them, and, and it's not a, uh, an attractive offer because then he's not controllable any longer. He's, a, he's essentially a rental unless you're, right. unless you're getting rid of him in the offseason. And who's to say he's going to have this kind of season again? Who's to say Boyd's going to have this kind of season again? But at least the Tigers can um, – sell Matthew Boyd's good 2019 and team control if he's having a so-so year next year. Yeah. So the can. Rangers, I think, I think the, I think we're going to see Rangers trade first. Yeah. I could, I mean, it, it's, it's very possible. And then, I mean, they, they do have other assets. They, they are going to be uh, moving around too. Uh, Hunter Pence is, is on the team. I'm talking about position players. I, I think they're getting a lot of calls right now to, um, you know, there could be a package deal uh, of a guy like Pence. I, I was listening to, I forget who it was talking about this. Someone on the radio was talking about a deal of um, Miner and Pence to Tampa. Fills a back end rotation spot, you know, middle of the rotation spot and a righty bat. That, that would fill in on that on that lineup and make them uh, a more formidable team to uh, to compete. You know, so you can see you can see some of those uh, some of these package deals going going together. And I think Texas has a you know probably a, a good a shot as anybody. Um, there was the Twins. I think are going to get bullpen help too. I think so too. I think they they obviously need to focus on pitching. The the Twins and the Yankees are are going after the same people probably. <laughs> yeah. So now Brian Cashman's looking over there and like I'm not going to let the Twins win trade deadline. That's for and sure. if you're, I'm gonna if own you're, them in the trade deadline too. Say you're the Blue Jays and you're you're getting calls from the Twins and the Yankees. Yeah, you might, that's they, leverage, they, baby. Yeah, they're gonna probably rather trade though to the Twins than than the Yankees. Right. So butter me up, you know. Give me give me something extra so I don't have to go to the Yankees because I will. But give me something extra. It's uh, it's just such a waiting game because we know the Yankees are good. We know the Yankees are in a position to win this division. But this just this trade deadline it just seems like it's it's so it's still at at fingertip length and it's just almost here. I just want to know what happens at this point. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think there's going to be some really interesting things. It's it's funny because all the guys that we're looking at, uh, besides Stroman, he's really the one. I think. I mean, you look at Miner and Boyd. Like, are they are they needle movers? I don't think so. I don't think they're 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 gonna. Unless depends, one of these guys come in and pitches like crazy hot. To. But when you're Both talking the guys to, who wrote on our website today say they're better than Strowman. Fine, but but when you're talking about like I'm talking about fan confidence type thing, when you're looking at uh, a team making a big splash, you know what I mean, and like getting getting everybody pumped up, like it doesn't seem like it's really there unless the Giants were to, you know, get rid of uh, or, or decide that they were going to sell, or for whatever reason Cleveland, like people have been talking about them selling their pitchers for probably a year now. But they haven't sold one. Cleveland's not going to sell. They're in a wild card. 
But they're in the playoffs. How do you sell that to your fan base? You don't. Yes, we're in a playoff. We're in the playoffs they, they right were, now, but we're selling. That was the whole narrative in the offseason. Like, how are you? Why are you talking about selling? You guys are good. You have a good team. They're poor, is what they are. They need the money. Giants, they need money. Please, the Giants, sir? on the other hand, are playing out of their minds. They're not this good. So there's a week left. If they go 500 over this week, they might say, okay, we are not as not this good. It's time to sell. They pretty much have to keep this unbelievable pace up through the trade deadline, I think, for them in order to not sell. Yeah, and there's other teams. like The other, th- the other thing we weren't really talking about, talking about just the Twins and the Yankees, but the, um, the Braves are looking for starting pitching. The, the Phillies are looking for uh, starting pitching. Probably bullpen help, too. Like there's a lot of a lot of teams that are going to be, you know, either in a competitive or in a uh, in a playoff spot or, or competing for a playoff spot that are buyers, that are everybody's looking for pitching pretty much like a couple bats, but we don't really care about that. the The pitching market, because what it is and because you know some of these guys might not be available, it's going to be super competitive. Not just the American League; it's going to be competitive throughout baseball. So that's that's why that's why I'm I'm still believing that that Cashman's really just looking for value at this point. And looking for for some more or just you know depth and quality arms, I still circle man. Robbie Ray is the, is, is that guy that just has the uh, he's kind of like a um, hybrid. You know he could come in in relief if you needed him to uh, down the stretch. You could you could have him start a game. He doesn't really go deep into games. High strikeout rate. I know he walks some guys too, but it uh, seems like he fits his team. Uh, after the Twin Series, the Yankees are going to go to Boston for the first time this year. They're six and one against the Red Sox. They've outscored them fifty-six to thirty-six. Um, the pitching matchups quickly are all set: Tanaka Porcello, Paxton Kashner, Sabathia Rodriguez, and Herman Sale to finish off the four-game series at Fenway. Did you see what happened between the Rays and the Red Sox today with this this? switch nonsense where they put the relief pitcher at first base there was like a 20 minute delay on the field no one knew what the hell was going on angel hernandez of course was in the middle of all of it now alex cora is protesting the game i saw i saw something about it but i uh, i did not i did not get into it to see exactly what happened so can you can you give me a synopsis of, of what exactly happened the synopsis is is the eighth inning kevin cash had a relief pitcher in the game he was a lefty yeah he faced one batter right then is it uh, McKay? No, it begins with a K. I forget. I forget his name. Uh, then he puts him at first base, brings in another relief pitcher. But then Devers is coming up after that, and he wanted the guy to face Devers. So then he takes him out of first base, brings him back to the pitcher, the pitcher mound, brings in a new first baseman. But they lose the DH. Right. The whole confusion was where does the uh, pitcher bat? Okay. That was the whole confusion. Appar- I was just reading an article on MLB.com. Apparently, there was Kevin Cash didn't say where he's going to hit, which means it's up to the umpire where he's going to hit. And the umpire didn't designate where he's going to hit. So Alex Cora wanted to know what the hell is going on. All of that was a 20-minute delay, and then Devers grounded out on the first pitch. <laughs> I, I, I mean... I like the move. It, it's very Tampa Bay. Apparently, he's done it already this year before. It's very Tampa Bay. It's it's also very like you know adult baseball league. Uh, do you remember when Brian Cashman did it with Brian Mitchell? Yep. I mean, uh, not Brian Cashman. Joe Girardi did it, it with was Brian, Brian Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a you know it's one of those moves that 
it saves a it saves a roster spot, baby. It saves it, it saves a guy on the bench. It's uh, not going to be able to be done next year. Got to get rid of that. It also take it also takes too much goddamn time because it's confusing. Not a good look for there, baseball. Twenty minutes of they just find new ways to delay games in Tampa. Whether it's no power, whether it's just uh, catwalks. Or just stops in the game. Still going to finish quicker than the Yankees and Twins game, even if there's a 20 minute delay. No problem about that. But big, biggest, biggest two week stretch for the Red Sox of their season. They're playing Tampa Yankees, Tampa Yankees. Yeah, it's huge for them. It's also, it's all, Tampa's in a really bad spot actually because they kind of need, they need the Red Sox to win, but they also need to win. <laughs> they that's what I was saying last last show. They need to be ambulance chasers. They need to they need to draft them essentially. They to, need to, the to, they need the Red Sox to beat up on the Yankees, but they need to match them. Right. Yeah. They got to win. So, yeah, the fact that they're playing, but the fact that they're playing the, the Red Sox, too, is, uh, is... They just lost two out of three. Not good for them. Yeah, that's what I'm they saying. Raised they're, they're, they raised it. Look, I, I am not going to be surprised, and, and I don't think anybody should be surprised, if the Red Sox make a late-season tear, and, and, and all of a sudden we look down or you know at the standings, and they're five games out, you know something like that. And, it's gonna, and there's going to be you know, a lot more pressure, uh, especially if... These injuries just continue to happen because it doesn't look like they're stopping. It doesn't look like we've we've been put in the good graces of the baseball gods yet. Because they got put on hold for a little while. Yeah, because you know, one guy comes back, another guy goes, and it's just we we had like I don't know three weeks where it felt like injuries weren't really as much of a thing, even though Stanton wasn't on the team. I feel like people forget that still. But um, now that Gary is Sanchez is out, and he's going to be out for a while, man. Like, he's going to be out till maybe September. Oh, yeah, great. That wouldn't great. surprise me. It would not no, surprise me. of course. Me. It wouldn't. Nothing this year will surprise me. He's got weak groins. <laughs> so, Yawai, he's got Yawai groins. Oh, boy. Poor Gary. He's Yawai. He's Yawai in the groin area. All right. That's going to do it for this show. It has been a long week of baseball, and it's about to get longer because what inning are we in? Like the fifth inning right now? It's All I know 11. is that there's a pitcher for the Twins – Wearing Aaron Hicks's number, wearing stirrups, uh, like old school stirrups, and it's nine to seven in the top of the seventh inning, and this guy's wearing also wearing Rex specs. This guy's this guy's this guy's all source of something. Okay, beautiful. We will talk to you guys on Sunday for for no, we're going to talk to you on Monday. We're going to record on Sunday for that show. Send in your mailbag questions. It's going to be a big weekend with the Red Sox. Send in mailbag questions to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Tweet us at Yankees podcast or put them in the Facebook group. We want to hear from you guys. Ask a question. Give a hot take. Yell about the game from Tuesday night if you're still excited about it. Last word, Scott. Uh, yeah, we're going through all the intern uh, emails and such, so we're going to be emailing you guys back probably this week at some point. Um, and if you do not hear back from us, uh, don't take it personally. We appreciate you sending it in, but uh, just probably kick it by you every single person. <laughs> yeah, but we do appreciate <laughs> it. And uh, keep keep going and keep chasing your dreams. Wow, that was such a nice way to end the show. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.